Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we know that you have a great handle on prospects in Major League Baseball, and we talk about a specific one here in St. Louis a lot in Dylan Carlson. In your opinion, do you think the hype is warranted? Do you think he's going to live up to what we've essentially built him up to be here in St. Louis? Yeah, so he's an interesting one because, um, as you guys know, like these days a lot of um, scouts and analysts will get in love with exit velocities. And he was one of those guys that coming into last offseason when I was trying to figure out, you know, how to line up the top 100 and, you know, who goes where. He was the guy that could go anywhere from 15 to 75. And after talking to some analyst types, they were like, yeah, it's not huge exit velocity. He's not going to hit the ball 115 like you know, Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton. But there are a lot of guys that hit a ton of home runs that have like that innate ability that even though they're not hitting at 115, they can hit at 107 in the right place or you know whatever the necessary uh, power is to get to it. And he's also a guy that doesn't light you up in uh, batting practice with raw power. So you just think, oh, this guy's just going to hit you know 20 home runs. It'll be like a little late power-wise for a corner guy. And then the more you drill down on it, the more you realize that there's like all those little skills at the plate that are hard to see until you get like, you know, a couple of years of performance that this guy might hit 280 with a bunch of walks and hit 25 or 30 bombs. And he's actually good enough to play center field if you need him to. So, yeah, I don't think he's like the flashiest guy. He's not the Luis Robert where it's just like all kinds of all-star level tools all over the place. But he does all the things you need him to do. Does uh, Carlson, is he better from one side of the plate than the other, to your knowledge? Uh, a little typically uh, switch hitters will be a little better lefty because it's usually their natural side and they get more reps from that side. So that's, yeah, that's typically how it is. And also from the right-handed side, they get so few reps. It's hard to tell if they're uh, good, but yeah, it sounds like this one is a little bit better from the left side, but not so much that it's like a huge uh, issue that needs to be dealt with. Kylie, there's a lot of other prospects that we here in St. Louis are intrigued by, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, etc. But when you look at what's going to happen this season, without those guys getting that playing time, do you think it's going to hold them back from a developmental standpoint? Well, yeah, the Cardinals are one of those teams where, like, every year or two, there's, like, that big prospect coming up. Obviously, Carlson is the guy right now, and there's not quite the payroll to just go out and buy someone every year. Uh, and even, like, the teams that can't do that, like the Yankees and Dodgers, you see that they're working in prospects on a, on a yearly basis. Uh, I was just looking through the uh, the sort of pool roster, like, not the projected 30-guy opening day, but the additional 30 guys. And the Cardinals might have the most, uh, like, the biggest concentration of guys that were on my prospect list for them in the pool, and part of that is because there's a lot of upper-level AA and AAA guys that are sort of the inventory-type talent. Uh, but then also there's a lot of guys, like, I mean, the recent first-round picks out of high school, uh, Jordan Walker, second-rounder, and Mason Wynn, uh, Gorman, who I don't think anyone expects to play in the big leagues this year, last year's first-round pick out of college, and Zach Thompson, uh, Libertor, the uh, big guy in trade from Tampa Bay, guys that are not going to pitch in the big leagues or play in the big leagues this year unless something goes really wrong. In the normal season, they would not have made the big leagues. Having them on that roster, 
uh, allows them to get those reps. And like you were saying, like this is a team that relies on these guys, has good development, like they know how to pinpoint who the guys are. Um, having those guys in camp is more important than having your 57th guy in your pool be a minor league free agent that's not going to be here next year that's, you know, played in the big leagues in AAA for five straight years. Like having these guys there and getting them experience is more important for most teams, and it seems like the Cardinals have figured that out. ESPN's Kylie McDaniel is with us on 101 ESPN. Kylie, from a front office perspective, I want to talk about that Springfield camp, and every team is going to have that minor league camp. But without the presence of games, what are you hoping to accomplish with young players in a camp like this? I mean, it's going to take probably a month to just get them like up to playing speed because, you know, similar to you know NFL camp, if you have a guy and getting third uh, team reps, like they're not going to be ready to like uh, when they need to get thrown into the the battle. And so obviously, you know, guys like Libertor, Trey Fletcher, Gorman, those sorts of guys, it'll take them a month to get them up to speed. And then with sort of, you know, you'll be limited by how many arms you have, how many sim games you can play and all that sort of thing. Uh, But this is actually something that's happening more and more in baseball with teams talking about like getting rid of some of their minor league affiliates having more of the development happening in non-game situations at the minor league spring training home um, to have, uh, you know, more, hey, we need to work on this guy's, you know, plate discipline rather than just playing a ton of games. Why don't we put him in, like, specific situations where we're going to, you know, shoot tennis balls at him and he has to yell out what it is or, you know, do a, a swing with, like, a lighter bat and maybe with a baseball, but, like, yeah, out of a pitching machine, like, figure out ways to pinpoint the thing they need to work on. And so I think when they get up to speed in terms of, you know, being at uh, playing shape and, um, you know, ready to hit 90-plus and all that kind of thing – uh, there's going to be a lot of that like targeted stuff, which I think is another example where the teams that are really good at player development have another chance to separate themselves. Kylie, when we look at the future of prospects in minor league baseball, we know that this is a lost season for them, but I know this is a, a difficult question to answer, but how do you think major league baseball is going to approach that moving forward? Because this is something they really need to, to figure out. Uh, they've been pretty clear. They're looking at it pretty cynically, uh, which is, I think they realize we as, as a group, the 30 owners, they wanted to cut costs. Uh, and they saw, hey, we've got all these minor league teams, and like half of these teams are guys that we don't think are going to make the big leagues. So why don't we cut a couple teams and then basically cut the players that we don't think we're going to make the big leagues and make the minor league teams like more concentrated with prospects, which on space, you're like, okay, that makes some sense to be like more efficient. And they get to, you know, the teams will save roughly a million, maybe $2 million per team per year, just not having to, you know, get on a bus and buy uniforms and all that kind of thing. Um, And then what they're essentially doing is cutting spots on minor league rosters. And then those players just go to college, essentially. Like you're outsourcing the development of your players to college. And instead of signing that, like shot in the dark, uh, $150,000 high school player in the 20th round, you just let them go to college. And of the five guys you were considering there for 150,000, you let them all play. And then at the end of those three years, you give one of them 500,000. The other ones just get left out of pro baseball. So on its face, I mean, a lot of these minor league teams they're talking about are losing money. And so they're being subsidized by the owners. If you just look at it like cold economics, it makes sense. Uh, but you're also, you know, taking baseball away from small town America, like the developmental prospect. Uh, is less and less of a thing. And there's a lot of players that, you know, can't get a full scholarship to go to college. And so pro baseball was like their chance to get some money and get some reps and get a chance. And now there's going to be less and less of that, which means that fewer and fewer players will have the incentives to play baseball when they have the options to play multiple sports at like the D1 or pro levels. Um, and all of that to save like a million or $2 when we know from all this research that like one prospect is worth five to $10 million. 
So if you're good enough to find one prospect and all of that extra infrastructure, it's paying for itself a couple times over, but the owners just see it as saving money. So that's uh, a little disappointing, and especially if they're going to be outsourcing this development to colleges and the colleges don't get football this year, there will be fewer college baseball programs, maybe many fewer, and they will all have less money regardless of whether there's football or not. So uh, it seems like a bad plan, if you ask me, but it doesn't seem like that's going to stop them. And Kylie, I know the percentages of getting a, a great player out of uh, some of those teams, like you say, the, the, the big leagues feel like certain players aren't going to be prospects. But we can just look at it from a Cardinal perspective. The Cardinals were on the fence. There, there was one guy uh, in the Cardinal organization that protected Tommy Pham a few years ago when he was hurt. And if it wasn't for that one guy, Tommy Pham would have been cut. And I have to believe in this scenario, no other team would have picked up Tommy Pham he would have never made it to the major leagues. Ryan Ludwig had injuries. He was a six-year free agent. A guy like John Brebbia, who's been productive for the Cardinals. I don't think John Brebbia sees the major leagues with the minor leagues that are going to, the way they're going to be set up now. It seems like from the standpoint of actually winning and having productive players, this is not a good move for Major League Baseball. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, like the owners, would say, oh, well, those guys would go play independently for a year or two. We would sign them anyway. They would get to the upper minors, and what we're talking about won't affect those upper minor spots. Those guys will still hang around and have a chance. Um, But what they're not realizing is the Matt Carpenter or even Paul Goldschmidt as amateurs were signed after the fifth round Mm -hmm. for not very big bonuses. If if this year was their year to sign, they would have been offered $20,000. What if they have an offer to go make $40,000 working in like insurance or at a car rental place at home? Like some of them, maybe they don't go play independent baseball and make like very, very small amounts of money. Like we're talking like less than $10,000 for the whole season. Uh, for some guys, it's just like a financial reality. They can't afford to go through that whole even even worse paid uh, independent leagues to hope that they get uh, found and then given the spot that they probably should have gotten in the first place. Uh, a lot of guys get left out. And what if there's a couple all-star level guys that get left out? Because I've had this conversation when I go to the Dominican. There is like a never-ending stream of 18, 19-year-old pitchers that throw in the low 90s with a good breaking ball. But the math that teams do is, oh, well, we can get that guy from a junior college that's the exact same talent. He doesn't need a visa. He doesn't have to come through the Dominican. It's like less transaction cost there. And they're both not going to make the big leagues. They're both going to pitch in the minors for two years and get released. Um, and so those guys aren't getting signed out of the Dominican. And I asked this guy one day, I was like, how many of these guys that, you know, we're looking at one of them right now, uh, you're saying he's not going to get signed. How many of these guys, if there's a hundred of them would have made the big leagues? He's like, Oh, like one in a hundred, like, you know, there's some big leaguers we're missing, but they're, you know, sixth inning middle relievers. Like they're not like impact guys. And I was like, if we change the draft to be five to 10 rounds forever, like we might be missing all-stars at that point. We would have missed out on Albert Pujols. Yeah, there's all kinds of guys like that where they they look like they were extra guys nobody really wanted, uh, but there's all kinds of guys in that area that end up being big-time players. And there's some that just end up being decent big leaguers. They just just don't get a chance to emerge because of the the way the sport is setting itself up. ESPN.com's Kylie McDaniel. Before we let you go, you do have a book out called Future Value, The Battle for Baseball's Soul and How how Teams Will Find the Next Superstar. You wrote it with Fangraph's Eric Longenhagen. How's the book going? And uh, in a capsule, 30 seconds, what can we learn from it? 
Yeah, no, it's uh, sales are going well. Uh, the pitch was uh, when Moneyball came out 15 years ago, the book, uh, scouts thought they were going to get replaced by analysts and turn out the opposite happened because the numbers we had then weren't good enough to replace a scout. Now with all of the stat cast track, man, all these sorts of things, the numbers are there that some teams think that it is good enough to start replacing scouts. And I think especially with the pandemic, which obviously isn't covered in the book because it came out earlier, um, the idea is that what was happening in baseball will get accelerated. And so now we're seeing teams possibly cutting like the Angels, like just cutting all of their scouts because they think that they don't need as many guys at games. And so the book covers like how to scout all the different uh, stories from scouts, signing players, and then also like where the stats come from and the different sort of points of view around the game. And you can kind of decide for yourself about, you know, where things actually stand. 